Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let, praise the Lord, everybody. Praise Come on, I'm not saying it alone. Let's all say it together. Praise the Lord. God is good. We're ready to start a Bible study today. My first time online with you guys. So please don't pick on me too much. And we will get into the Word of God. How many of you guys are excited to do a Bible study? Yeah. This, is, this is my favorite thing to do, guys. And we're going to do one today about three things to believe. Three things that every Christian should keep faith in. So let's get into the Word of God. Number one, what's the first thing that every believer should believe? In prayer. So why don't we kick this off with some prayer, guys? <laughs> Everybody, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow your Word to go forth today, God. Let it sink into our hearts and build a foundation that we can live our life on, God. That your word will touch everybody's hearts that's listening today, God. And that we will give you the glory and the honor for everything that goes on in this room today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. I need the Holy Ghost to lead us through this today. So we're going to start with the first thing that every believer should know and have faith in. And that is that God is good. How many of you guys know we serve a good God? Amen. Has God been good to you guys this week? He has been doing great things in my life and in the people's life around us. I have uh, Every week we show up at Bible study and I feel like we could take 15-20 minutes to just let everybody testify about the good things that are going on in, in their life. Today Nan and me were talking when we got here. He's telling me what God's doing in his life and I'm telling him because we serve a good God. So we're going we're gonna to go through the Bible today and we're going to read some stuff on how good our God is. So let's start off with Hebrews chapter 6 today. It says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So in order for us to please God, we have to know that God exists. And we have to know his character. God, the Bible teaches us, is love and God is good. Last week, I, I, or two weeks ago, I talked about the good news. And I talked about how every good thing comes down from the Father above. And that there is no change in God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He was a good God in the beginning. He was a good God now. And he's going to be a good God in the end. So that's something that we as believers have to remember as we walk in this world. There are people who have questions about God and they want to know God's character. And I want to make sure that if I'm going to hand somebody an idea of God, I don't want it to be contrary to who he is. So I don't want to tell somebody something about God that's not true. So the first characteristic that I can know, that I can tell everybody about God, is that my God is a good God. Amen. Everything that he has intended for our lives is for the good. God doesn't let bad things happen to us so we can learn a lesson. He wants the good things in our life. Even the bad things that we go through in our life, God is there with us protecting us and making it better for us. He makes all things work out for the good of those who serve him. Amen. So I want to continue in the Bible here. We're going to go to Luke 
chapter 18, verses 18 through 29. Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So a religious leader who knows everything about God and everything about the Bible, he taught the religious people in, that, in the city about God. He comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus replies, why callest me good? Jesus asked him, only God is truly good. So if Jesus says that God is good, I'm not going to argue with him. If somebody came back from the dead tomorrow and told me, hey, Dan, you should go buy a lottery ticket, I would probably think about it. Because if they've come back from the dead, they might know something I don't know. And Jesus has come back from the dead and proclaimed to be God wrapped in flesh. So his opinion on things matter. And he declares here that God is the only thing that is good. And he's telling this, this young ruler here, he's giving him some insight. He's saying, you know these things. You know about how good God is. And to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your mother and father. Are all those good things? How many of you guys would like to be stolen from? We, don't, we wouldn't like those things in our life because we want the good things that God has in our life. And he wants the good things for our life. That's why he commanded his people these, these commandments. Don't murder, don't steal, don't cheat. Because he knew if there was this going on in his people and in his society, they weren't going to have the good things that he intended for their life. And the man replied to him, I've obeyed all these commands since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said to him, there is still one thing that you haven't done. Sell all of your possessions, give your money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was rich. Now this was a, a religious leader. So this was someone who taught them about God. So this wasn't necessarily a bad person. This was somebody who was a good person. This would be like somebody who's in our church, someone who comes every week, someone who gets up and teaches. But when Jesus said, sell all you have and come and follow me, he left sad. Now, if he had this first belief that we're talking about here, that God is good, maybe he would have reacted a little bit different. There are things in my life that God has asked me to give up for him that I did not want to give up. But I know and I have faith in the fact that God is good. Mm -hmm. So anything that he's going to ask for me to give up in my life is going to benefit me. And anything that he wants me to go through or to do for him is going to work out to benefit me in the end. So I have to be willing to understand that God is good so that I can give up everything in my life and follow him without being upset or sad and feel like I'm getting the raw end of the deal. We were told by, you know, I told, I, I'm very outspoken about being a Christian at my work and I have people in my work that are like, you know, how can you, how can you, you're a Christian? Yeah, you don't have any fun. And I'm like, guys, 
I was an alcoholic for like three years. That wasn't fun. <laughs> that was a hard life. This is an easy life. This is a blessed life. This is a good life where God takes care of me. I've got good things to show for the blessings in my life. He's, he's given me a job. He keeps me, he keeps me and my family together and strong. He's given me children. Those aren't bad things. The devil likes to paint the, like the world out to be like this great place and that Christianity is something terrible for us. But it's not terrible for us. If this man would have sold everything he had and followed Christ, he would have been sitting at the feet of the creator of the universe, how great would that have been? Would his life have gotten worse if he'd have sold everything and followed God? I, I doubt it. <laughs> There's impossible. Jesus, he's going around multiplying food. He's, he's, de he's delivering people. He's doing all these amazing works that he could have been a part of if he'd have had faith that God is good. He's not going to help. He's not going to ask me to give up something to hurt me. He's not up there just proving that he's God. So I'm going to tell people what to do, see if they listen. That's not the point of it. Every commandment in the Old Testament, everything he's told us that we needed to do was for our benefit. Even when he told the Jews not to eat pork, why would why would God tell him? You know, he just must not want them to have bacon. You know how good bacon is. That's not the point. God back then they didn't have refrigeration. You ever seen what happens to bacon when it's not a refrigerator? That's, it's not good for you. So God wasn't trying to punish his people. He was being good to them. And so many times in our life, I'm guilty. When God's trying to do something good for me, I'm fighting him in the process. God's like, Daniel, you shouldn't do this. You should stay at home and rest today. And oh, I want to go, God. I want to do all that. But I got to remember... God's good, and he wants the best for my life. So when he says, hey, Dan, don't do this today, that's for my benefit. That's for our benefit. And we've got to be willing to sell out everything in our life and have faith that we're, we're not doing this so that we can have a worse life. We're doing this so we can have a better life because he's a good God. So those who heard him said, wait a minute, did I skip something here? Yes, I did. Then Jesus saw this, he said, how hard is it for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God? In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. And those who heard this said, then who in the world can be saved? They were like, this is, this is scary now. If, if rich people can't go into heaven, who in the world can be saved? And he replied to them, what is impossible for people is possible for God. Salvation shouldn't be possible for us. But thank God we serve a good God. And he is what makes it possible for us to have salvation. So let's keep going here. Let's go to Luke chapter 11. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son asks for bread of any of you that is a father, 
Will he give him a stone? Boys, have you ever asked for bread and I gave you a stone? Maybe not. I've given you some of those candy rocks that have chocolate in them. That kind of counts because I'm a good dad. <laughs> but that's exactly where our, our, our concept of God should be. He is our heavenly father. The way that we feel towards our children is a reflection, a small reflection of how God feels towards us. Or if he asked for a fish, would he for a fish give him a serpent instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would he give him a scorpion? I don't know, my, my kids might actually be happy if I gave them a spider and a scorpion. They'd be like, yes, pets! <laughs> but the point is, they wouldn't be able to eat it and they wouldn't get what they wanted. So the story here is he's saying, if your son asks for something, as a father, you're going to give him what he wants. And I do that not always because my kids deserve it. But I do it because I love them. Because I love my kids. And I want to be good to my kids. I want them to have good thoughts of me. I want them to think, man, I got a good dad. I don't want them to think I'm a bad guy. I don't want them to think I'm a bad dad. If ye then, being evil, so he's talking about us. Remember a couple of scriptures ago, they went to Jesus, God wrapped in flesh and said, good teacher. And he said, wait a minute, I ain't good. Only God's good. So if he can say that, we're evil. We can go ahead and we can accept that. So if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? So if we're evil and we still got enough good in us to know how to give good gifts and be good to the people around us that we love, how much more our heavenly father who loved us while we were yet sinners, right? Created Christ to die for us when we didn't deserve it. Who gave us everything, including his own son. Because he loves us and because he's a good God. So we have to have faith that God is a good God. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta walk in that, continue in that. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, right? Substance of things hoped for. But as a Christian, where is our hope? Our, exactly. Our hope is in Christ. It's in the Word. It's in the Word of God. So, when we say we have faith, faith is the substance of things so far. It is a belief in the things that we know is in the Word of God. So when I have faith, I'm saying that I can confidently walk knowing the promises that are written in the word of God. So I have to know, first off, the promises, if I'm going to have hope in that. So first off, we're going to, that's why we're doing, that's why we're going through all these scriptures. I'm showing how good God is. Now we know the word of God says that God is good. Now to activate my faith, I've got to act as if I know his word. I've got to walk in my life based on those circumstances. Mm -hmm. That's faith. If I'm walking through my life like as if God's not good, then I'm not activating my faith. If, if I'm worried about, well, you know, if my car breaks down, God's not going to be able to help me. That's not faith. But if I say God's word says he's good, so I can continue to be happy in my life knowing he's taking care of everything, 
I'm walking in faith because I'm basing that on the word of God, on the Christian hope in Christ. So number two, we're going to move on to now that we believe God is good and we know God is good. The second thing that every believer has to believe and they have to continue to hold on to faith is that God heals. Heals. Now, I know miraculous, God does miraculous things. My dad walked out of a wheelchair. I can't doubt God. I know God does miraculous things. But he does that because it's in his character. And his character is a healer. It doesn't always have to be spot on. But in every situation that Christ comes into, he immediately starts making it better. He is a healer. So there are miraculous signs where God will pull a man out of a wheelchair and he raises the dead and he does these amazing miraculous things, which we know and we see and we should never lose faith in that. We should always know that he does that. We're going to read some scriptures that prove that. But we also know that he is a healer. So in any situation he steps into, it's not going to stay the same. It's going to get better. It's not, it, not, not just physically, mentally, spiritually, but physically, all the above, we should continue to improve in every area of our life. We should be better tomorrow than we were today. And it's Christ who does that work in our life. By giving us wisdom, by giving us his grace, by removing things out of our life that we shouldn't have. All through his process of healing. So let's see it in the scripture. Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Well, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Spreading the good news. That's what Christ did. That's what we're supposed to do. The good news. I shouldn't be at work telling people at my work about the stuff that the devil's doing in my life. He doesn't get free advertisement from me. I'm going to talk about the good things that God's doing in my life because that's the advertisement I want to go forward in this world. I want to be a light in this world. And I'm not being a light if I'm talking about the dark things that I'm going through. God's got them. God's got them. I got faith in it because it's in his word. It's based on that Christian hope so I can walk freely, not worrying about the dumb things that the devil's doing to me and focusing on the good things that God's producing in our lives. So that's exactly what Jesus did. I want to be like him. So we're going to continue to spread the news to people around us. But he also healed every kind of disease and illness. He healed them. Every kind of disease and illness. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Why did God heal every disease and illness? Because he's a good God. That's why he did it. People go, why, why is there so much bad things happening in this world? Um, because the devil's bad. And we know that. And he's been destroying mankind since day one. The first time he talked him into biting that apple, he knew it was going to destroy them and he loved it. But that's not my God. And I don't worship him and I don't put those characteristics on him. My God is a good God. So the good things that are happening in this world, that's my God. And we'll talk about that. The bad things are a result of this evil character throughout the entire Bible that we see and we know and we don't want to talk about. But he is not going to be able to defeat 
God's kingdom. Look at the children of Israel. They tried to destroy their whole race. They threw their babies in the river. They tried to stop them, from, but every time, no matter how much they tried, they multiplied. They grew. They couldn't stop them. If you, if you, listen, if you listen to society today, they're trying to kill us every way they can. There's stuff in our water, there's stuff in our food. There's stuff. Oh, no, 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 no. Guess what? I can pick up snakes and they won't harm me. That's what the scripture says. And that's what the scripture means. How many of us don't give thanks to God for the healing that he's doing in our life on a daily basis that we don't even pay attention to? Maybe we'll call it our immune system or we'll call it the drugs that the doctor gave us. We'll call us all of that. But what we won't call is our God a healer. Our God is a healer. If you're better today than you were yesterday, give God the glory. If you felt a little sick this morning and it was gone by noon, give God the glory. Don't think, well, yeah, well, that was my immunity system. Yeah, well, who made your immunity system? Whose image are you made in? You're made in God's image. So, of course, you've got an immunity system that heals. We're made after a healer. And he heals every situation he comes into. If we start thanking him for the things that he does we don't even know about, maybe he'll start doing a little more that we can see and we can expect that in our lives. But we've got to be thankful and we've got to believe that he is a healer. He'll never stop healing. Oh, I've had this back problem for four years, man, so I guess God's not a healer. Well, no, he's still a healer. Even when we're not faithful, he's faithful. So I'm going to speak that faith and believe it. I know the devil will try to stop us every way he can. My son was born with a disability. Well, Dan, how can you stand up here and teach about healing? You know how I can stand up? Because God's a healer. That boy would have died in the womb if God wouldn't heal him. And he's been getting better every single day because of God's healing power in his life. Amen. That's amazing. Not only, not, not, not only we're going to talk about the wisdom God gives him, I watched that kid play an Xbox pad with one hand better than I can with two. If that's not God, I don't know what is. But God is always in our presence and he's always healing and he's always making everything better. And I can continue to expect more. I, I've already been professing it in my life. One day he's going to see a miraculous sign from God and it's going to be an example to them on how much God loves them. And you know what? We're going to keep believing the rest of our life, we're going to keep faith in that, right? Because what happens, Victor, when you die anyways, right? We get a new body, right? A brand new body, amen, because he's a healer. Amen. And I'm going to teach that to my kids. I'm going to teach it to this world. And we should be an example of that. We're the body of Christ. We're Christ's mouthpiece. If we're not speaking it into this world, they're not going to hear it. Because the world's not telling them that. The world's telling them you're going to die. You're never going to get over this. You're, 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 you've got no hope. But this Bible teaches me otherwise. This Bible teaches me that we are safe. We are protected. That we belong to a healer. That I'm his child. I'm not just some stranger on the outside saying, God, please help me. I'm his child. I'm in his home. I'm like, Dad, I got a problem. And he loves me. Just like he loves everyone else. And he's going to do the things that he knows is going to bless their life and make them happy. Mm -hmm. Because he's a good God. Amen. Because he's a good God. I could talk about goodies all day. <laughs> so news about this spread as far as Syria. And people soon begin 
to bring him all who were sick. So, some good came out of this, right? See what happens when we spread the news of God? Everybody didn't say, oh, you know what, there's some Jesus guy out there. I don't think he's really healing them. They're probably, they're probably just getting better on their own. and He's claiming all the credit for it. They went out and said, look, man, I don't know what's going on, but I know several people who were sick and they went to him and they got better. Maybe you should come and meet him and you could get better. And because of that spreading of the word and them telling how good God is, groups of people were coming to him and all of them, all who were sick and whatever their sickness or disease or now here we go all of their sickness and disease and we talked about that and that's important i don't want to be sick i don't want my brothers being sick when i hear someone sick around me i start praying because i love my my people as much as as much as i should <laughs> as much as i can <laughs> but or they who were demon possessed or epileptic or paralyzed. All the people who were bound by, by a spirit that we, that we think we could tell them just to change their life and they'll get better. All of them needed an experience with Jesus. Wow. The paralyzed. The people who can't move. The people who can't do the things that they know they should be doing in their life were instantly healed when they were brought in the presence of Jesus. He healed them all. He's the great physician, right? Amen. It's not a good idea to go to the doctor and tell him what you want. Never a good idea. That's how you end up a drug addict. But it's a good idea to go to the doctor and let him examine you and say, hey, you know what? You need a little bit of this. You need a little bit of that. We're going to help you out here. Now, that's a doctor who's got human wisdom, which is good to an extent. But we have... A heavenly God who is a physician, who is the great physician. And we don't need to tell God what's wrong with us. We need to let him do the work that he needs to do in our life. Mm -hmm. We need to let him decide what operations need to be done, what things we need, and let him work that out in our life as the great physician. Because he knows how to heal all types of diseases. And all types of symptoms. Now you, you think about it, if somebody, I'll go extreme here, but say somebody was a heroin addict and they're praying because they need money. They're financially broke. God's not just going to call and have Amazon drop off a box of money to their house because that's not their problem. But what God can do is deliver them from heroin so they don't have money issues no more because he's the great physician. So we pray for things in our life that we think we need we're not understanding that we're praying to the guy who knows what we need. And he's able to fix the things in our life that we need because he's a good God. He knows what we need more than what we need. So we've got to have faith and trust in the fact that he is the good physician. He knows what's wrong with us. He's going he's gonna to prescribe the right medicine for our life and not let us false prescribe our own life. But he's going to do the healing that needs to take place in our life. So large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee and the ten towns. Jerusalem and all over Judea as far east as the River Jordan. So the more we spread this good news about God, the more people will follow him. I want to be a faith teacher, a faith preacher. 
I don't want to stand here and tell people, well, you know, I want to tell people the truth that God can save you. God can heal you. God can fix your problems. He's the good physician. The Bible tells us that if you have, if you're sick, James, if you're sick, have the elders lay their hands on you. Let them pray for you. A prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. That's why we have prayer elders in the front of this church praying for people on Sunday. It's not because we just thought it looked cool. It wasn't because we seen some other church do it and we thought, well, no, it was because it's the word of God and we're putting our faith in that. The Christian hope is based in the scriptures that tell us to have an elder lay his hands on you and you can be healed. So we teach that and we believe that to everybody listening online. If you're looking for a healing, I know a church that knows the great physician. You can come here on Sunday. You can have an elder at the front right here lay hands on you and receive the healing that God's promised you in his word. Mm -hmm. We have to have faith to believe it. So let's go to Mark chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. And the crowd saw Jesus. They were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, he asked. And one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. These were all effects from an evil spirit that was affecting this guy's life. We've got to be spiritually minded as believers. When we see things going on in people's life, we need to understand that there is a spiritual element to it. We could have just thought this poor boy was crazy and could have all, a lot of things. But they were under the understanding that there is a spiritual realm and that there are evil spirits attacking people. And we know the great physician. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't. They went to the disciples, the other believers who've been following Christ and been walking with Christ, and they asked them to deliver the spirit out of them because they knew that his disciples had the authority because just a couple chapters before that, Christ sent them out and gave them authority over the evil spirits. And they came back and they said, even the evil spirits listen to us. So this guy knew the news and he knew what was going on. And he knew that God was a healer and that his disciples had the authority to do this work, but it wasn't happening. And then Jesus said to them, you faithless people. Jesus can get away with some stuff. <laughs> I can't get away with some of that. But Jesus can get away with that. If we, if we go to me and you're like, man, I've been praying for all this and it's not working out. And I go, you know what? You ain't got enough faith. People are going to be like, man, you're mean, Dan. But that's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus meant. Because it was from God. He told them, you're faithless people. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring this boy to me. Faithless people. 
He told them right off the bat, here's your problem. Here's how you fix it. You've got to have faith. You've got to walk in faith. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the kid into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, wailing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. How many of you guys know that the devil's trying to destroy our children? The devil would love nothing more than to destroy our children. He is trying to throw them in the fire. He is trying to throw them in the water. He is trying to do away with the next generation that God's raising up to do something amazing in this world. Amen. It's been going on since then. It's been going on today. And he replied. Oh, no, he didn't reply yet. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. The dad said to Jesus, if you can help us, help us. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked him. Anything is possible if a person believes. Now here we go again, believe. So Jesus said, anything is possible for those who believe. So what is believing? It's faith. It's walking as if you have confidence in the word of God. If you're living your life knowing what the Word of God says and your confidence being in Him, you can do great things. You can cast spirits that are trying to destroy your children out of your house. If you're living in faith and you're walking in the Word of God, we're going to put our faith in that because the Word of God says that we can. They knew His disciples could do it. That's why the dad was confused. What do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible for those who believe. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. That's a prayer. He was talking to God wrapped in flesh. That should be the prayer in all of our lives. I do believe in God. I believe he's good. I believe in these things, but God, help my unbelief. Show me your promises in the word. Show me in the Bible what I can stand on confidently. Help increase my faith. Because I know there's going to come a day when someone's going to come in this church that has cancer and they need me to pray for them. And I want my faith to get in the way. I want my faith to be strong. I want to be able to look at them and say, the word of God says he heals every type of disease and sickness. He said that he gives us the authority to walk in his way. We're supposed to be doing greater things than Christ did on earth. That's what he said. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're walking in faith. That means if my best friend dies in, in the next city over and it takes me five days to get over there, I should be able to raise him from the dead. If it's in the will of God, I shouldn't doubt it. Should I doubt it? If God tells me, hey, you know what? Brother so-and-so died five days ago. I want you to go pray for him. Should I? Well, God. He's been, he's been in the grave five days. It might stink in there. That's what they said to him. But God was able. He's a healer and he's a good God. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I'm going to run around and pray for everybody at every funeral home. <laughs> I come across on the way home. That's Because God hasn't told me to do that. But I'll tell you what, if God tells me to do it, I better stop my car and do it. Because that's following the spirit. That's walking in the will of God.
So Jesus saw the crowd and the onlookers was growing. He rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Jesus spoke to the spirit because Christ had authority over that spirit. He has the authority over all prince of powers and all evil spirits on the earth. And who did he give that authority to? Us. He gave that to us when he infilled us with the Holy Spirit and he became one with us as he's one with the Father. We're all in this together now. We all have that same authority over us. But we have to have faith in that and we've got to speak to it. I can't, I can't just, well, God, you send the devil away from me. I've got to speak to the devil. You get out of my house. You will not destroy my kid. You're, you're out of here. In Jesus' name, I curse you. Because the Bible says anything I curse will be cursed and anything I loose will be loose. So I'm going to loose blessings in my house and I'm going to curse evil spirits out of my life. And they have to respect, not my authority, because I'm just Dan Tackett. Oh, Peter, we know. Paul, we know. But who are you? That's what they'd say to me. If I don't understand that I'm not speaking this in my authority, I'm speaking it in the authority of Jesus Christ. If you don't obey that, then you've got other things you've got to deal with. You ain't dealing with me no more. You're dealing with him. At my work, I'm a supervisor, and I work directly under the owner of our company. So there's several people in the company I tell what to do. I don't care, and I don't take it personally if they don't listen to me, because it's not me. I'm going to tell you what the owner wants. If you don't take care of it, he's going to get mad, and you're going to have to deal with him, not me. I'm not going to fire you. I'm not going to punish you. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I'm a supervisor. Ooh, I could. I don't, because it's not me, and it's not about me. It's his company, and it's about him. Hopefully, I ain't going to be there long enough anyways. God's got bigger things for me. But that's the whole concept of authority, and it's the same thing in the world we live in today. Evil spirits still have to submit to the authority over top of them. Satanists have, have talked about that. Ex-Satanists who became Christians have talked about when they tried to curse Christians, they couldn't. Why? Because they don't have authority over it. That's why I'm not scared of no witch. I'm not scared of the devil. He can't curse me because God's blessed me. God's got a protection around me. I don't have to worry about his schemes or his plans or try to figure out what he's up to. I'm going to figure out what God's up to because that's the team I'm on. That's the side I'm going for. The other side's a loser anyways. I don't have to figure out how they're going to lose. I'm going to figure out how God's going to win because he wins in the end. But Jesus told him... Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And when he stood up, and then he stood up. Afterwards, then Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, and they asked him, why couldn't we cast out this evil spirit? They knew there was a problem. Why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? And Jesus replied, and I'm going I'm I'm to quote his words in the King James. <laughs> He said, some things come out only through prayer and fasting. In the NLT here, it says, this kind cast out only by prayer. And the, the point is, he's not talking about just a simple prayer. This takes a deep prayer connection with God. If we want to walk in the anointing of God and we want to do things of God, we've got to be in his spirit. We've got to be walking in the spirit with God. And that's exactly what he told his disciples here. But he didn't say to them, well, you couldn't. 
He didn't say to them, well, of course you, you know, you're just a disciple. You needed Jesus to do that. That's not what he said to them. He said, oh yeah, you could have. You can, and you should, and in the future you will. But you've got to understand that this comes through prayer and fasting. We've got to have a life dedicated to God. We've got to be living a life that's godly, walking in the Spirit, so that we can be a representation of God. We can't be a representation of God if we're not living like Christ. Amen. Does that mean we're going to fall? Sometimes God's going, to, God's going to pick us right back up and put us right back on the track and clean us up and we're going to continue to live righteous and live holy lives. We're going to decide not to sin. It's a partnership, guys. Yes, Jesus cleans all the sin off our life and he is able to give us grace to help us from sinning. But we've got to have a mindset in our heart to live for God. It takes that. He's not just going to make everything better while we continue to mess it up. He wants us working together in a partnership to create the situation called salvation. Amazing. I mean, I've been teaching that a lot lately. Salvation is not a destination. It's a situation that God already created when he died on the cross. But it's up to us in our partnership with Christ to put ourselves in that position of receiving salvation. So Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 13. In one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. So he was begging God and it wasn't working. We don't, God doesn't just answer our prayers because we beg. That's like he, we'd have a bunch of beggars on his hands. That's not what he wants. So it wasn't begging that got him there. And he fell on his face before Jesus. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. But he was asking him a question. If you are willing. What he's saying is, are you good? If you're a good God, you can make my life better. If you're willing, if, 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 if your desires inside of you are to make me happy, if your desire is to love me and see me happy, then you'll, you'll heal me and you'll make me better. He was asking him, are you really a good God? And Jesus reached out and touched him I am willing, he said, be healed, and instantly leprosy disappeared. How many of you guys have heard in church growing up, well, God's able, but he may not be, it's not his will. He, he's able, I don't know if he's willing. God's willing. Jesus hasn't changed. What he said to that leopard, he's saying to you today, I'm willing to fix your life. You have to believe in me, you have to put your faith in it. You have to stand on the promises of God. But I will never stop being willing. The Bible says even when we're not faithful, he's still faithful. He doesn't stop being a healer just because we stop believing in it. Just because I stop thinking he's good enough to love me. Doesn't mean he stops being good or he stops loving me. He blesses people who don't even know. Him. It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. You see people who don't even honor God and they have a good life and God blesses them. Why? Because he didn't stop being faithful. He's still good. 
He still loves them. He loves everybody. I watched the pastor preach a sermon one time about something. I won't say their name, but it was a celebrity who did something outrageously in, in society. It was, all, it was about four or five years ago. But the pastor was talking about it, and he preached this whole sermon about God still loves you. And it, was, it, it moved me. Because I, when he started talking about this person, I'm like, that person's terrible. Why is he talking about them in church? And that's why. Because God never stops being faithful. He's still a good God. God, Jesus reached out and told him, I am good. And he healed. Mm-hmm. Matthew 9, verses 1 through 6. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. Now we're about to transfer into the third point. Your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers in religious law said to themselves, That's blasphemy. Who does he think? He's God. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you have such evil thoughts in your heart? So Jesus said to this person, Your sins are forgiven. And they said, Wow, how can you do that? How many times do we have people walk through these doors of our church? Do we say to them, Your sins are forgiven? Or do we say, Well, Jesus can't forgive them. You're right, Saul. That's what we want to practice. We want to practice saying the first one to them. Jesus can forgive you. Your sins are washed away. God can save you. He can save me. That's proof. He can save me. He can save you. I'm worse. So that is the proof that God is still a savior. So Jesus says this. They go, I don't know about this. Jesus knew it was evil to think that somebody's sins could not be forgiven. That's pretty evil. That's evil for you to think that Jesus can't forgive somebody else's sins. That's an evil way to think. I don't care how bad their sins are. We still know a good God who is a healer. So no matter what their sins are, I'm not going to think that they're too bad for God to heal because that's an evil way of thinking. Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to stand up and walk? So to prove that the Son of Man has the authority, there's that word again, the authority on earth to forgive sins, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Right here in this story, Jesus linked two things. He said, I'm able to save you, and I'm able to heal you. I'm able to forgive your sins, And I'm able to heal your body. We have to believe that God is able to do both. Mm -hmm. I can't say, well, God God can forgive my sins, but he can't can't take the sickness out of me. Jesus linked them. Jesus linked them. If I believe that Jesus can save me, I believe Jesus can heal me. If I believe Jesus can heal me, then I believe Jesus can save me. It all works hand in hand because all of it is his characteristic. He is good, he is a healer, and he is a savior. Those are part of his characteristics. God saves. The next thing that we're going to talk about, the final thing before we get out of here, is God is a savior. 
Just as much as He can heal your body, He can save your soul. And sometimes he's, saving the soul is more important than, than saving the body. Sometimes. How about all the time? All the time your soul is more important than your body. Because he's already made a plan to make you a new one. He's already made a plan for a better life. A new world. It's not God's purpose to totally keep us in this earth for the rest of our lives. But he has a purpose and he has a plan and he wants us to achieve it. God wants me to achieve certain things in my life before he calls me home. And when he does, you guys better celebrate. Don't go after me because I'm walking on streets of gold right where I want to be. That's what Jesus wants us to go. And we should, as Christians, have that mindset. Our funerals in this church should be a celebration. Because we know God's good. God can heal. So if that person was needed to be healed, God could have done it. But God also saves. So where that person is now is not in a place of torment. It is in a place of salvation. They are in the presence of God. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 4. As God's partners, which is what we are right now, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. So if we have salvation, we shouldn't take that lightly. I believe God saves. I'm sorry. So I preach salvation very strongly. I like to tell people around me how they can be saved. But we shouldn't take it lightly. We're not, we don't want to slip over into the area of once saved, always saved. We want to pay attention to how big of price that paid. That put the God of the universe on a cross. I don't take that lightly. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Salvation is not a destination. It's not one day I'm going to get there. I'm, I'm telling you guys, I, out of love, I'm really getting sick of hearing Christians when I ask them, are you saved? And say, I think, or I hope. Come on, people, we know. We're not doubting ourselves when we say we don't think we're saved. We're doubting the power of God when we say we don't think we're saved. Mm-hmm. I'm not, because if I was saved by my own works, then I would be doubting. I would be hoping and praying and probably failing. Definitely failing. Very drastically. But it's not by my own work that I'm saved. So I'm not doubting in my own power when I say that I'm not saved. I'm doubting in the salvation power of God. That I'm not willing to do. That's blaspheme. For me to say that God can't save me or somebody else is to say that my God is weak. And my God's not weak. Today is the day of salvation. You don't have to wait till tomorrow to experience heaven. You can walk with God in the garden today. God will come down and live inside of you now. And that is a glimpse of the future glory. So Paul continues, We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us. So just because we have salvation doesn't give us a license to go out and live any way we want. Matter of fact, we shouldn't really want to. Because remember when I said in the beginning that everything God asks us to do is for our own benefit. Sin doesn't help us out, people. Uh, people at church teach, well, you know, we sin every day. Well, stop! It's not good for you! 
It's like, well, I drink a little bit of poison every day. God's able. Well, yeah, he's able. But why are you drinking poison? He doesn't, he doesn't, he didn't give you salvation so you could be silly. He gave you salvation so you could be wise. So you can live a good life. He didn't, he didn't give us the power to live under sin and continue to fail. He gave us the power to break sin, cast evil spirits out of our life, and live a holy, righteous life that's only possible through Him. But it is possible. Maybe we believe that we'll start living that. We have to, people. I had to. When I thought in my head it was, I could just sin, it was just sin. I sinned. It wasn't until I found some maniac online who yelled at me and was like, stop sinning. I was like, okay, I'll stop sinning. Now I'm the maniac online yelling at you, telling you to stop sinning. But it's a good thing, because guess what? Sin's not going to benefit your life. It's not going to benefit your life. So stop sinning. Have faith that God gives us the power for that based on his word, which says he can break every stronghold in our life and stop. Walk in that faith. See if you benefit from it, because you will. The Bible says so. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. That's important. Everything in my life should point to God. Let's move on to Hebrews chapter 7, verses 26 through 27. This is the type of high priest that we serve. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. Unstained by sin. And you guys know Corinthians tells us that when he was on the cross, he took all sin on him. The whole sin of the world. And then he eradicated it. Because there is still no sin in him. He is still unstained by sin. That shows God can eradicate the sins. Right. And, and not only the sins that we've done, the sin that we're in right now. He can eradicate that sin out of your life where you don't sin anymore. Mm-hmm. You've got to have faith. You've got to believe. And faith is walking as if you know it's true. So I can't say God can deliver me from from alcohol as I'm on my way to the store to buy more. That's not walking in faith. But I can say God can deliver me from alcohol so I'm not buying it anymore. And he's going to heal me. And he's going to help me. And he's going to protect me. And he's going to keep me safe. And in six months I'm going to look back and go, wow, it's been six months and I haven't drank. Thank you, Jesus. He did that work in my life through my faith. Amen. He has been set apart from sinners and he has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. He did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus, or they did this. But Jesus did this once and for all. When he offered himself as a sacrifice for the people's sins. He did this once for our sins. And again, he already linked sinnings and healing. He did it once and for all. Every sickness we're ever going to come in contact with, he died for healing. Every sin that we're tempted with, he died to deliver us from Every sickness and disease and every, sick, every sin that we see people come in here with on their life, we have the authority 
to cast those spirits out of their life. How dare us not do that? This world's hurting. People don't want to live that way. They're trapped by spirits. And we need to be the ones who know how to hand them freedom. In Jesus Christ. Let's go to Philippians 1 verse 6. Because this is important. We believe, in, we believe God can save us. But salvation is a situation that we need to stay in. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day Christ Jesus returns. That's how we continue to walk in faith. We have to believe that God is a savior. The God who called me and saved me in the beginning is the God who's going to preserve me until the day of his return. God's not weak. He didn't save me and then he lost me. He's going to continue to do this work. It's a partnership. He's going to want me to work with him. We're yoked together. But it's an easy burden. All I got to do is believe, have faith, and continue to walk in his ways. So let's talk about how, how much we can believe in our salvation. This is important. I want to be able to tell other people how to be saved. Pastor's been teaching on this. Great job. It's on his podcast. Check it out on Spotify. Pineview Lovecast. It's growing and it's way up. People at work can get the message and get the word. But he's been talking about salvation and how we can tell other people how to be saved. So let's look at some word that'll prove that in the Bible that we can base our Christian hope in and walk in faith. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. It is God who enables us, along with you, to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own. How? By placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So that's how we know we've been claimed as God's own. As a first installment, that, what's that word there? Guarantees, Guarantees everything he has promised us. Now, if you read that in King James, because I know people are stuck in King James Version, it says earnest. Now, to me, earnest is a guy who wears an all-jean outfit and makes funny faces. <laughs> That's what the word earnest means to me. Earnest P. World. But <laughs> earnest, if you study it in the word, earnest means guarantee. So we don't use that word earnest like we should or we used to, but it's the same word. So when we're looking at it here, the Holy Spirit is the first installment that guarantees everything he promises. Did you want to say something, brother? Ah, yes. So, when it's talking about earnest, it's talking yes. about the beginning of our Ah, that's so good. Yes, that's very good. That, so there, there's, there's a practical use for that word today that we read in the King James. But again, it's the same word. It's a guarantee. God, I'm telling you what, my heart was so filled with joy when I first found these scriptures. And I'm going to show you three of them here. I found about six of them that talk about the guarantee of the Holy Ghost in our life. A guarantee that we're going to see this future. All he has promised, including a new life. 
2 Corinthians 5 and 5. God himself has prepared us for this. He's talking about our new bodies. He's prepared us for this. And as a guarantee, he has given us the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of our salvation. There's two scriptures that just said that. Now, is God wrong? Is the scripture wrong? Is the Bible wrong? Because when I read that, I couldn't go back to thinking that maybe I'm not given a guarantee of salvation. I'm given a guarantee of the salvation. It's the Spirit. And we should be being led by it through our lives. Because that's the guarantee that we're walking in a place of salvation. Next one is Ephesians 1 through 14. And, and believe me, if you have any like trouble believing in how good the guarantee of our salvation is, just read the whole book of Ephesians. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, that's like a home run right out of the park. Ephesians, he, he, was, writing, he was writing it to a people who, who were spiritually deep. So he got to deal with some matters that were spiritually deep when he wrote the book of, uh, of Ephesians. So read it, glean from it, because there's some powerful messages in there. But this one we're going to talk about today, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And now you Gentiles also have heard the truth. Now he's actually talking to us, because we weren't born Jews, we were born Gentiles. So he's speaking to us who didn't belong to the child. We didn't belong to Abraham. We weren't part of that group. We weren't supposed to be saved. He came for the Jews. Jesus even didn't minister to them when he was here. It was all about the Jews. But we now have heard the truth. The good news that God saves you. That's the good news. Because again, he's good, he heals, and he saves. It wouldn't be in his character not to save if he's a good God. But if we know he's good, then it makes sense that he saves. Mm -hmm. And that is the good news. The God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. When you believed and God looked down and saw your heart, he didn't, he didn't ask everybody around you if you're a good person. He didn't look at your clothes and think, well, he's finally got it together. No, he looked down and he looked at your heart. And when he saw that you really believed in him, mm, you can't fool God. You can fool people sometimes, but you can't fool God. He knows because he's looking at your heart. And when he sees a heart that believes in him, and identi he identifies them as his own by giving them the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. And the Spirit, now he's talking about it, the spirit that he gives you is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. And that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify God. Now, when Peter went to the Gentiles and preached to the Gentiles about baptism, they all started speaking in tongues and he was like, who am I to say I can't baptize them? They've already been given the Spirit. He's seen it as the guarantee. He went back to the Jews and told them, they got the Holy Ghost, what was I supposed to do? They started speaking in tongues. They were saved. So how much more should we practice that in our lives? How much more should we practice that in this church? When we see people come to the altar, fall on their knees and speak in tongues, we shouldn't get them back up off the ground and say, now if you do things right, maybe you'll make it to heaven one day. 
What we should do is pick them up the ground and say, welcome to the family. The family of believers who are saved. That God gave us a guarantee and today you've experienced that guarantee. That this is salvation. And this is where God wants you to be. Now continue to follow the Spirit and stay in that situation. Stay in that course of being saved. You're the only one who can, who can pull you off that track. But you can stay right in that salvation. God's shown you, he's proved it, and he's shown you a guarantee. This is what it takes to be with me for an eternity. This is what it takes to have a new glorified body in heaven with me walking on streets of gold. It takes you getting to a point where your heart is opened up and believes, and I notice it, and I fill you with my Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. I hope at least everybody in this room, everybody listening online, doesn't doubt salvation anymore. Because if you doubt salvation, you don't think he's a good God. And we serve a good God who didn't, who didn't expect us. He made, it his, he made it his responsibility to heal us, to save us, and to bless our lives. Hallelujah. I love that. I could, I could preach that the rest of my life because it's so true and it's what this world needs to hear. No other religion is going to hand them that. Every other religion is going to hand them, well, maybe, hopefully, hey, we don't know, we're thinking. We don't. We tell people we know salvation and we're not just going to say it and leave you wondering. God will give you a miraculous gift to prove it. You will speak in a language you've never spoke before. You will feel the Holy Spirit come inside you and change everything about who you are. So you don't have to wonder whether or not you're saved anymore. You can know confidently that you are saved and you can tell other people how to be saved and you can tell other people a God who loves them and it is good and will heal them and will save them and will keep them until the day of his return as his beautiful bride. Hallelujah, that's so good. So let's go to the last scripture here. John 10 verses 9 through 10. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Those who, they will come and go freely and will find good pasture. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal from me because that's not good. <laughs> if you've ever been stolen from, it feels terrible. It doesn't feel good. But God doesn't steal from you. He restores you. He blesses you. He puts things in your life. He gives you things because he's the opposite. He's a good God. He wants to kill you. That means he, he doesn't want you to heal. He doesn't want you to get better. He wants to kill you today. If God wants you to last five extra years, guess who won? God did. God wants to heal you. Satan wants to kill you. And he wants to destroy you. He wants you to never live an eternal life. He wants you to be thrown into the lake of fire and to die. And guess what? He will lie to you every day of the rest of your life and tell you that he's won. That you're not going to make it. That you're not good enough. That hell's just waiting around the corner. But hell's waiting around the corner for him. Not for me. 
and not for you because we serve the good God who heals us and saves us. He chose us as his own. He decided to come to the earth and die before we were even made, while we were still sinners. All we do is partner with him. It's an easy burden to carry. His purpose is to give us a rich and satisfying life. Or as the King James Version says, a life more abundant. That's the God that we serve. So the three to believe is that God is good, God heals, and God saves. All three of those are dependent. If he's not a good God, he ain't going to heal you. If he's not a good God, he ain't going to save you. But since he's a good God, he, we can have faith that he will heal and he will save us. Amen. So, let's get ready for church on Sunday. Anybody looking for healing or salvation, you know where to come. Pineview Church is full of the Holy Ghost and he's the one who gives us the authority to do so. So, in Jesus' name, until next time, God bless you.